O God who speaks, may your word find its way into our hearts and may we be changed, healed, forgiven, loved. By your helpful Holy Spirit, lift us this morning out of whatever it is that weighs us down and set us upon the firm foundation of your holy word, spoken and preached here this morning. Amen. I invite you to be seated. There's a rather famous play by the Irish playwright Samuel Beckett called Waiting for Godot. Some of you may know it. It's a story about two men, Vladimir and Estragon, who are waiting for a third character off scene named Godot. They're not sure if they have the right day, but they were told by whom we don't know to wait by the tree for Godot. And there is a leafless tree nearby that seems a good enough place to wait as any. And the action of the whole play is just waiting. Besides Estragon trying to tell Vladimir about the dreams that he's been having and wanting to hear a joke which Vladimir begins but never finishes, they talk to each other about waiting, arguing if today will be the day that he shows up. Godot has said that he would show up and Vladimir and Estragon wait day after day, sure that the next day he will come. They begin to despair, giving up hope that he'll never show up. In fact, the two oscillate between despair and a tinge of positive thinking, as if that's going to get them out of it. We know next to nothing about Godot. Is he trustworthy? Is he always late? Does he care about either of these two? Are they friends, the three of them? Is he stuck in traffic? Godot never shows. Near the end of the play, the two friends, Vladimir and Estragon, contemplate hanging themselves from the barren tree, but both of them are far too lazy. And who knows, Estragon says, tomorrow might be the day Godot shows up. It's a bleak play, perhaps the bleakest of the modern age. And the play is quintessentially modern, full of the angst and the anxiety of our age as it searches for meaning and an abiding truth. It captures the modern spirit of perpetually waiting for what we're told is coming to us. We're told to look for happiness and success, that if we follow steps one through five in life, we will find it. It will come. The thing is, we're just not sure what happiness or success really is or what it even looks like if it were to show up. And when it does, somehow it can slip through our fingers and we're waiting all over again. And we're told to go after more and more and more, and that when we have it, we'll finally find what we've been looking for. Well, we've 
been through iPhones 1 to 11, and we're still looking. Our televisions are getting smarter, and we're still looking. When we finally think that we're getting somewhere, and all that we find is emptiness, we sit around caught up in our anxieties, wondering, like Vladimir in Estragon, if what we're looking for is just around the corner. Our modern world is one long arc of waiting, convinced we haven't found whatever it is that we're looking for. St. Luke, in his ancient gospel, tells a different story of waiting, one that collides with this modern tale. Simeon was an old man, and he was ready for death. He had spent his entire life waiting for the Messiah of Israel. He would pray day in and day out, morning, noon, and night, as was his custom. He would visit the temple over and over again, and he would observe the festivals, and he would sit and he would wait. Is today the day? He would pray and he would wait. He knew well the ups and the downs of, of Israel's history. He knew, too, to trust in God's promise that the God of Israel was trustworthy. Luke tells us, one day Simeon came into the temple, one day. One day led by the Holy Spirit of God, one day to find Mary and Joseph and the child in the temple that day, that one day. And in that instant, he knew. He knew that his waiting was over. He knew that the waiting of Israel was over. He knew that the waiting of the world was ended. He had the eyes to see that everything that he had ever waited for was in front of him in this child. The glory of God, the consolation of Israel, the salvation of the world, the rescue of all times and peoples from the bondage of sin and death was before him in this child. An old Simeon, Old Simeon proclaims, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people Israel. There have been many amazing instances of faithfulness in Luke's gospel to this point. Mary's faithfulness, Zechariah's faithfulness, the faithfulness of the shepherds. But to my mind, it's Simeon's faithfulness that takes the cake. At least the other three had visits from angels to rely upon. Without so much as a nod from a passing seraph, Simeon looks at this tiny child and sees with the eyes that God gave him. 
he sees the salvation that he was waiting for. Simeon's beautiful response has been taken up by Christian liturgies throughout the ages, as it will in this morning's liturgy. Those of us formed by the Book of Common Prayer know it as the Nunc Dimittis. From the end of the service of Compline, the last liturgy of the day that we pray before we sleep. You've heard it sung, perhaps, at many funerals as a fitting witness that, like Simeon, we too can depart this life in peace. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. With Simeon we proclaim that our eyes too have seen the salvation of God. With Simeon we acknowledge that our waiting is over. The waiting of the world is over so that we can end our day or we can end all of our days in the peace that God has shown up on the scene in Jesus. And because he did, our world is full of meaning from top to bottom, inside out, all around. You see, we don't live in the world of Vladimir and Estragon, a world empty and void of meaning. We live our faith proclaims in a world that has been invaded by the presence of God in Jesus. And so we are not left to our posture of waiting. In this one, in the life, words, teaching, works, in the death and resurrection of this Jesus, we have been found by what we are looking for. Did you catch that? We have been found by what we're looking for. It's not about what we are looking for. It's about who is looking for us. It's not about what you're after in this life. It's about who is after you. You have been found by God. If you want to know happiness and success, if you want to know abiding joy and peace, this is it in its truest and deepest sense. You have been found by the God who fashioned you. You have been found, and you are loved, and you are loved here in the love of this God this morning. St. Paul said to the Romans about this love of God that has found us, there is nothing, neither death, there is no life, no angels, no rulers, no things present, there are no things to come, there are no powers in this world, there's no height, there's no deep, there is nothing in all of creation that can separate you from that love that has found you. So my prayer this morning is that you are given the gift of sight, that you would have the eyes to see like Simeon saw, and that you have the will to accept the love that has found you, and to respond to God in faith this morning as we gather together around his table in thanksgiving once again. Would you join me as we pray? Gracious God, 
You have fed us with your word. Feed us now with the bread of life. We have heard your word this morning that you have found us, that you love us, and that you have called us together as this community in this time and this place so that we can proclaim with your faithful servant Simeon that our eyes have seen your glory. Feed us full with the bread of life that we might walk from this place and see things differently. May we see our world, the people we meet, our family, our friends, our enemies with the eyes of your love. Amen.